some podcasts are like over an hour. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, but they're probably gold. Ours is just like no me talking about nothing. <laughs> That's a, what most podcasts are. <laughs> I like listening to that, but um, I don't. I don't know how we do it. I don't know how we just did that. Like every week, we just ramble about stuff for an hour. I know. Sunday again. It's Sunday. Your favourites are back. Well, so Ellie's talking. Yeah. Absolutely. Actually, last week's was not absolutely. It was quite nonsense. good. It was quite. It went. It kind of went somewhere. It did. But I'm not sure this week's is going to go anywhere. We'll just yeah. be, just be having a bit of a chat about stuff. So, how was your week? I oh, mean, well, there's no one else here. You might be talking to them. No, it was good. Um. I'm not going to get any answers. I would like to know how that how how was your week, everyone. I think we should start on Instagram. I genuinely think we should start on Instagram. But you'd have to manage it. Okay. Because I can't, I can't take on any more. I mean, let's face it. No, I've I, been, that's fine. Been absent from my own Instagram for like six months. But you're or back. I know. Go I'm and back. follow Mum's Instagram. So now you're back from outer space. I don't know that song, but I'm going to dance along anyway. I will survive. It's completely oh, yeah, inappropriate. Yeah, yeah. You know, mm-hmm. it's good. Um, what was I going to say? Oh yeah, but yeah, if we could start a, an Instagram for the podcast. What say so that people? What What do you want from an Instagram? I don't know. Because the thing is, Instagram's really visual, isn't it? Podcast yeah. is audio, so you know, are you thinking of it as just a way for like people to be able to um, contact us and sort of join in and yeah. say, "Hey, listen to your podcast. What on earth are you talking about? <laughs> what is Ombre Snow?" You have to listen to last week's oh, podcast. Yeah, that's very niche. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, very yeah, niche. You, you definitely need to listen to it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. See what we see what we we're talking mm. about last week. But um, yeah, I think as a as a way of um, connecting with people um, and getting them in, you know, involved. If people want to be, do you want to be involved? If you want to be involved and ask questions and yeah, things the like nineteen that. people that listened to our second episode. <laughs> 19 people. Our first episode, technically, actually, yeah. Okay, so how many people listened to last week's? 13. 13? Yeah. (laughs) Well, I didn't share it this time. Yeah. um, As much because, well, I did share it a bit. The problem problem I had was um, what I should have done was just copied the link from somewhere. But because I only have Spotify, that's the link that I get. And I had a few comments from people saying that they would rather listen on a different platform speaking is, of which is why i had to ask you to send a list to somebody i will then do the announcement again of the lists the lists the platforms that were available on are anchor breaker google podcasts pocket casts radio public spotify apple podcasts and Castbox. we're that's on quite, apple podcasts that's quite cool that's quite a lot yeah so maybe that's one of the things we should put if you if you wanted to go ahead and do an Instagram. Mm. Maybe that's one of the first things you should put and put in the in the profile, you know, where you can yeah. listen to it because obviously like not everyone tree. has the same same thing. I mean the reason why yeah. I downloaded the app for Spotify was mm. literally just so I could listen back to this. I'm not yeah. I'm not a big well, I do like podcasts, but yeah, it's but finding can, them. There's a free podcast app, which is basically Apple Podcasts, but for Android, that oh, I used to okay. use for like a month or two, and it's fine. So I'll show oh, that to you at some point. Yeah. yeah, you could look at that. It has yeah. most stuff on it. I think we maybe would be you on could. It. Um, um, if you could send me um, the list, 
Yeah. Um, and then I could forward that on because somebody else was saying that they couldn't get to right. grips with Spotify. Yeah. So, yeah, that would be great. Spotify is like a thing that's only really worth it if you are going to use it quite often. Well, well I've I think got that the goes free, for all of On stuff, the free yeah. version, though, you can you can literally just yeah. listen to stuff. Yeah, you can just listen to, I, you know, like I say, I just listen to our podcast, that's mm. it. I'm not even trying to the free version. No. Well, yeah, because it's, it gets interrupted by There's ads all ads the time. And there? you can't skip stuff and you can't choose what you want to listen to. And it's just yeah. like they are really thirsty for your money on Spotify. Yeah. Anchor actually got bought out by Spotify last week. Oh, which is fun. I know. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? I've, I've been thinking been thinking about that. Mm. So I've been thinking about um, um, my YouTube channel. Which yeah, you've just checked through. I have all the analytics, and it's quite quite interesting to see that um, so much of the views that I've been getting have been recommended by YouTube, mm. which is really really cool because it's hard as a small content creator, which is the jargon for being someone that makes videos and puts them up on YouTube <laughs> and doesn't have much of a following. So. Um, it's it's really interesting to try and find out what's going on there, but I obviously our aim is to get to the point where I have over a thousand subscribers and four thousand hours yeah. of viewing time, because then we can monetize mm. the channel, and what that means for for those of you out there who have no interest or just don't really understand how. It, how it works and why would you um that means that we can then get a little i mean it will be pennies to start it with is, yeah um um it will mean that we can get some of the ad revenue that's generated by what we are producing mm. and i say we although it's my channel will i think does, we have like an equal um well, you contribution do, to it you i would do say a huge amount of the work i do so will does sort of Everything that you probably ninety percent of the filming now, maybe. Yeah, it's maybe, going down a little it's bit. It's going you do down because I started filming. filming myself, yeah. which is quite interesting. Um, yeah, but you do all the editing as well, and you know all the thumbnails, and you write all the descriptions to sound like me, and because mm. I'm I just pride myself in that. I do that for the shop Instagram, which yeah. I've been doing for over a year. Because my my main problem is I'm dyslexic, and mm. um, I can. I can I can read. Um, I'm really a keen reader, actually. But as soon as I have to do anything that involves putting my thoughts down on paper or typing them up somehow, yeah, it's like there's this massive wall. I I know what I want to say, mm. but then I second guess myself all the way through because yeah. I'm worried about grammar. I'm worried about tone mm. um, and spelling. Um, and all of that and then it just becomes this it's like being back at school for me yeah. which was a bit of a struggle so so Will does an amazing job of doing things and making it sound like me so thanks Will Yay. that's okay I wanted to talk to you about because like our channel this podcast thing mm-hmm. channel whatever what was it Podcast. podcast yeah yeah <laughs> anyway so this podcast is we called it silver linings and i want to ask you what you think of advertising you know um, what do you mean so 
because it's like that thing is you know it's like well you could say what do you think of the internet oh yeah Um, okay or what do you think of computers and it's like um they're just tools and it's i think it's how they're used that makes a difference so you know it's like in in youtube when i'm watching things i do get a little bit frustrated sometimes right where someone's put up a sort of 25 minute long video and then they've got five ads in there and i know that that's they're choosing to do that yeah but i've noticed with some of them what they'll do is like most of their videos say if they put up there's some people that i follow that are like political commentators and things who put up videos every day and i mean that is a lot of work but they they put up videos every day Mm. but it's literally some some guy sitting um I haven't found any women political commentators. That's why it's all blokes at the moment. Um, Some guy sitting there spouting forth about stuff with like a green screen behind them and probably some notes or whatever. Mm. I don't know if it's scripted. I'd have to send him an email and ask him. But um, so they're not exactly difficult to edit. They're not making anything in that way. It's kind kind of like like doing a podcast. Yeah. yeah, Filming it. Oh yeah. Also, do you want a YouTube channel? Let us know. Yeah. I don't know. We could. Yeah. But um, so what I what I've noticed, like this particular one that I'm thinking of, which is Phil Morehouse, who does um, a channel called um, A Different Bias, um, which is I I think it's quite good. I've followed him for a while yeah. now. Um, I've noticed he'll choose like one or two videos a week where there's like loads of ad put in the middle of it you know so yeah. it'll be like five in a video and he'll probably choose wow. one that he thinks is going to get quite a lot of views mm. but then the others that he puts up every day um you know you might only get the ads at the beginning and at the end and i and i don't know you know is that the better way of doing it so you only annoy people you know every now and again yeah um but it's that thing isn't it i know people uh pay to not see ads on YouTube. It's very expensive. Yeah. It's so expensive. Um, But I don't know. Is that what, what I'm trying to say is it's why is it okay for like great big corporations to, you know, advertise really heavily on television and on YouTube it's not just, you know, used car salesmen or whatever. In yeah. fact, it never is. It's, it is usually big corporations mm. that advertise. But somehow people will accept the people that are advertising on there, but don't really question where the money goes from those adverts. So say like, um, who could we take as an example um, that I've seen recently? Gosh. Uh, so I don't pay very much attention to them, it has to be said. Um. What's one that we've been seeing a lot? Oh, like an advert that we've been seeing a lot. Yeah, like an oh advert. Oh my god, that there was that seen... Squarespace one. That's not recent, but the Squarespace one. Well, that's more of a sponsorship, though, isn't it? No, that was um, an did advert. You get it adverts was, as I well? got adverts on the daily, like oh, ten times a day. No, for them. I didn't get that. Um, Another one is Grammarly. You no, might have seen. don't get that. I get that all the time. See, it's probably very much done for age group and what you yeah. watch. Yeah, because so. Grammarly is aimed at students. So. Yeah, because I I get maybe things for like supermarkets so say in the run up to Christmas you know everybody's Christmas ads or whatever so I'll get 
I'll get um, lots of that because obviously the mm. YouTube algorithm has got a vague idea that I may well go to the supermarket and do some shopping. Yeah. Um, so those, so let's take, for example, say Sainsbury's mm-hmm. um, and who will pay quite a lot of money to advertise on YouTube. Yeah. Right. And everyone just says, well, yeah, there's a Sainsbury's, they've got to advertise, you know, mm. and all the rest of it. So if the content creators like like us, like right. me, yeah. are so small that they can't become monetized because YouTube changed the rules, gosh, blimey, years ago now. Yeah, like three years ago, I think. Four. Yeah. Um, but then you get to the point where you can get, what well, what did we work out it was? Is it like a pound for every thousand views? I think it's like three pound, maybe. Oh, I thought it was less than that. Well, because the click-through rate for every thousand views is different for everyone. So the average one, I think, is between like... Th- oh, it might be actually. Because I think YouTube takes half of the money that you make. Yeah. So you could be making eight pound, but they'll only give you four pound because but they're taking half of that. YouTube gets all of the money before someone can become monetized mm, that's just me pouring out coffee and um <laughs> more coffee more coffee <laughs> what, what milk have you got in that oh coconut, is it that cocoa coconut, stuff? Yeah. yeah vegan milk um, yeah so that's the thing it's it's that um you know that unevenness like we we cut large corporations and companies and things a lot of slack and we tend to hold individuals responsible yeah. for stuff. Accountable for that. Yeah, yeah. And, and, I, and I just think, I think it's really unfair in that way. Yeah. But so I'm fully aware of how irritating it can be to be interrupted by adverts. Yeah. Will's, Will's had a light bulb moment. I was just going to say, no, say? I finally understand what you're saying. Basically, so we are throwing all of the blame of like advertising on small creators who are just trying to make like minimum wage yeah. off of YouTube yeah. when the main issue is like these big corporations that are just getting away and, with it. And, and YouTube. Yeah. YouTube being one of the big so, like, corporations. You're saying, okay, yeah. yeah, I get what you're saying because like Sainsbury's and that kind of thing will shove their brand in our face like all day, every day and we don't really say anything. But as soon as we get interrupted by one of their adverts mm. in a small creator's video, we attack the small creator and not Sainsbury's. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, I get you. And then, and, or, or YouTube. Yeah. yeah. Let's be very, very clear about this. Or, or YouTube, YouTube, yeah. Big corporations. Big corporations. Because let's face it, as a, um, as a business model, Yeah. YouTube are raking it in because they've got mm. millions of people like us who spend hours making the best quality videos they can um Mm -hmm. you know and you spend hours um, editing it i've spent hours and years perfecting my craft if you like over the last 30 something years of all the different things that i can do and and trying to teach people and i'm sharing my knowledge and my expertise Mm. um for free and you are giving your time for free yeah and yet the minute i know i know that the minute we become monetized which hopefully will be this year yeah i think it could be we're probably gonna have a little bit of a 
kind of a thing with people saying, oh, do you have to have all those adverts in the middle? Yeah. You know, and it's like, but if they were watching a TV programme, they'd just accept if they were on a, um, yeah, like ITV or Channel 4 or all the others that aren't the BBC. Yeah. Um, they would just accept that every 15, 20 minutes there'll be an ad break. Yeah. You know. So, That's a good point. Yeah. So I, I think it's... um. I think people have this idealised view of all these artists and musicians and creators out there. Just, you know, we do it because it's a vocation. Yeah. Well, we do. Most pe- most creative people do things because that's how they are happiest in life. You know, but you have to make a a decision quite early on. I mean, I've been working... Um, I've had my own business as a textile artist for 11 years now. That's mm. not when I first started doing commissions and selling my yeah. work, but that's when I actually that's when we officially here, yeah. started it as a as a business. Um and I knew that it was it wasn't going to make me lots and lots of money, but mm. what was the alternative, you know, would be to go and work in the co-op or CKs or something like that. Not that there's anything wrong with that, you know, that's absolutely fine. And I understand why people do that. But the choice I made was to get paid a little bit for what I love doing. I was, I was going to say, I think we're both, we both prefer to be paid not as much money for something we love doing Mm. rather than be paid twice as much money for something we hate. For a job you hate, yeah. yeah. And I have had had jobs that I hated. So you would rather struggle through a little bit and enjoy your job. Yeah. Yeah, fair enough. You know, years and years ago, I was a, as a I worked as a debt collector. So, mm. I mean, I didn't actually have to go and. That sounds like so much fun. <laughs> oh, it's really nice. <laughs> Heartbreaking. I can't imagine what it must be like now. I mean, we're talking back in the late eighties, um, early nineties. I'm trying to think when I went to work at Liberties. I think I got that job back in late 1990 so yeah it must have yeah. been the late 80s so i only worked there for about i don't know less than a year and um it was utterly heartbreaking so the the thing that i was one of the people on the phone you know that had to ring people and say why haven't you paid yeah your bill you know but i was also the person on the end of the phone when you got those nasty letters that are computer generated where people go you can't take my whatever and trying to sort things out and so that must be horrible it it is really horrible but i i found the like the compassionate way yeah through of how to do it which was by arming those people that rang in Mm. you know utterly terrified they were going to have stuff taken away from them by giving them the information because information in a situation like that knowing what your rights are and knowing where to get help um is the best thing you can do to help somebody in financial difficulties um is actually telling them what can and can't be done so i used to say to them you know no we we can't send bailiffs you know at this point we can't do this yeah and um and also the other thing that you work out very quickly is that um if somebody is in financial difficulties and they actually 
cannot pay a bill, most companies, including utilities, credit cards, mm. all of those, if you tell them and you go through the situation, you know, like what your financial situation is, yeah, they won't carry on coming after you for money. They'll give you a, a grace period and give you some way of trying to manage it. Um, yeah. You know, the worst thing you can do, little tip here, everyone, <laughs> the worst thing you can do is ignore it. Yeah. The, the best thing to do is to ring up and be as honest as you feel you can be about your situation. Obviously, if you're just somebody that runs up massive debts and then moves house and leaves it all and you know, doesn't sort it out. One day it will catch up with you. Um, but most people aren't like that. And I found that, I found that out very quickly yeah. working. So it being a, working in the debt collecting department of this particular company mm-hmm. wasn't quite as soul destroying as it could have been because I, yeah. I found my route through it. That's good. But it still wasn't a very nice job. Well, yeah, because you're, so. you're doing a really rough job not like rough as in mm. you know the working conditions but like it's quite you know it's not a nice job like you're not being nice no. asking someone to yeah but you still have your own morals yeah well and you that, have so. to you have to do what you can what you can cope with yeah and also i i totally understand that some people have jobs like that um because that's the only job they can get especially at the mm. moment because you know people can't go into offices and do all the things mm. that people do in offices so they do it from home yeah calls. You, you can at least answer the phone yeah, at calls home. are like number one thing you can do at home yeah if you have a mobile phone or a laptop or yeah. a house phone so you know and I, I i would never look down on someone for having a job like that especially having done it you know yeah you, but that's the thing that's that's exactly what we're talking about is um you know you make you make the choice that you can deal with now as it happened when Mm. we moved down here 11 years ago I worked out that doing using my skills and my creativity that I could make just enough to get by yeah you know and it meant that I had the time to home educate you Mm. how how you did that strange is that though now home educating a, a, a little one because you were four when we moved down here I'd already been home educating you you know where we used to live in Wiltshire yeah most of your friends because you did have friends and we'd been to mm. various groups and stuff we used to go to a music group and the library and the play group and all of that we had we had friends but most of them by the time we moved down here had already started into the school route, route or going to um, like kindergarten or yeah. know, reception class or whatever it happens to be. I've forgotten what it's called down here in Wales. I think it's just reception and, and no, 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 in Welsh nursery. it's got a, it's got oh. a name. Because um, you could Prince, have gone into that. Is it like, it's like something... No, I don't know. Yeah, neither do I. I cannot remember. Reception and nursery. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So most of your friends of, of a comparable age had already started down that route. So we were already doing it our own way before we came down to mm. came down to Wales. So, but what I found out very rapidly was that um, 
to actually get any work done. Fortunately, you went to bed at a reasonable time. So you went to bed at sort of seven or half past and then I would go to work. That's so early. What, for a four-year-old? I was four, yeah. Yeah, (laughs) it's not that bad. You used to have an afternoon nap until you were like seven. I can't believe that. Until you went to school. And in fact, the first first term at school, Mm. you still, when you came home from school, you had to go and have a little nap. Because you found the day really, really long. Yeah. And um, so what I used to do is I'd put you to bed and then I'd start work. And I'd work until half past one, two o'clock in the morning. And then I'd get up with you at just before nine in the morning. And then do breakfast and we'd do baking and schoolwork and... Were you not like sleep room. deprived? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, it was. Some people are more sleep deprived than that, though, yeah. you know. Um, and they're not homeschooling their children, so. But I'm really glad. I mean, I, I'm glad I didn't have a crystal ball. I don't think I want to know what's in the future. No. But um, I'm really glad that we did that because I think it gave you a really good start. Um, I know that there's a lot of people that will probably disagree about home education. I'm not one of those people that says, oh, just let them do whatever they want to do, because that's not, that's not education. That's just being allowed to do whatever you want to do, you know. Uh, We had a sort of a, a routine. Well, we did have quite a good routine, and we would do sort of lessons, sitting down lessons in the morning um and then we'd spend most of the afternoon romping about outside somewhere you know um but now when when um with what happened in 2020 and is still going on yeah when we decided to take you out of school a little bit quicker than most people did um i'm so glad that I had already done home education oh, with yeah, you. Yeah. Because honestly, I can't think... I feel so sorry for all those millions of parents who haven't... You know, they don't even know where to start. Because it's not easy. Because information... You can find it if you go looking for it. But it's like you've, if your kids have been in school since they were four or five... And suddenly to be landed with a 14 or 15 year old that's working towards GCSE. It's like, where do you look? Where yeah. do you find that information? It must be utterly terrifying and exhausting. Yeah. You know, um, but at least I felt I could say to you, it's okay. We've we've totally got this. I found this resource, this resource. We can do this. And, and we did do it really well. Um I mean, we, I don't have to do it at the moment. I don't have to mm. manage your your time so much and you don't. Yeah. Which do you prefer? Because now, I, sh- I should explain for those people that don't know, because now all of the kids are at home doing yeah, distance learning. Yeah, we have online classes, like on Zoom. Um, I like, I think having school online motivates, like actual teachers motivates me to get up and structure my day a bit more. But I think... I, it's, it, this sounds really st- stupid almost, but like having 
zero support from teachers mm. and literally like holding everything in my hands put like just enough this sounds very unhealthy I'm not motivated by like fear of failure so I think it's fine but sort of knowing that I was kind of like it was up to me how well I did is what I'm trying to say mm. like it sort of motivated me to get through it and I was doing more work in mm. a shorter space of time mm. whereas now it's like I can just rely on my teachers even if I don't do anything it's just like oh I'll catch up I'll like go back into this next week mm. whereas like I had to rely on myself and sort of you and a few emails last time so mm. yeah yeah and chats with the school mm. and trying to explain stuff and but I get will, information yeah but I'll be going back with the school hopefully when they go back and when they go back if they yeah. go back in March which they probably will mm. have to see I think they will because I was really proud of I was really proud of how you structured your time well I mean Thank we you. did it together we yeah. sat down and because but it just goes to show because you were doing basically around three hours a day in the morning and just going straight through all your and, and you were doing like three subjects a day weren't you yeah and then in the afternoon you could spend that time doing art or music or drumming or yeah. extra research or whatever you wanted to do and I was really impressed by the amount of work that you actually put in were you? Yeah. Thank you. And that you, well, yeah. I mean, well, the proof in the pudding was getting your assessment results. Yeah, I because was doing fine those in assessment school. results yeah. were all based on what you did at home, with my support and some support, some very minimal support, unfortunately, for some between, subjects. It varied between teachers. Some some were yeah. amazing, some were not. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't. Fun fact: I didn't get a grade for physics because he didn't email me back when I asked him if there was a test, and there was a test. I knew that there was a test, and I didn't sit the test because he didn't respond to my email. Wow! So it's his fault that I don't have a grade for his subject. Well, there we go. Um, T. You'll be able to put some of that right when you actually go back to school. Yeah. But I think um I think part of that is one we're in the middle of a pandemic and your teachers are human beings and yeah. some people cope better than others in difficult situations um so some people you know as long as you tell them you know what what they're supposed to do and tell them to keep going and keep positive and we'll get through this they'll be fine other mm. people just like to pretend it's not happening yeah you know and i and i think it's really interesting there's quite a parallel with um, home education versus school education that is much the same. You come across people who can see the benefits and the positive side, particularly yes. for younger children. So, you know, children under the age of um, sort of 10 or 11 of being educated mostly at home, flexi-schooling, all those sort of things. And then you have teachers who will say, no, this is the only way of providing an education is for them to be in school. Yeah. And we had quite a lot of that too <laughs> when we came down here. I mean, mm. I tried to kind of shield you from it. Yeah. Um, But I think it did become apparent in when you were in year six. So you would have been 10, is that yeah. year six? And um, your class teacher who found it very difficult to accept the fact that you were because you were doing four days a week then I think yeah and he found it quite hard to understand why you wouldn't yeah. go in for on a Friday and I remember going to, I remember going to parents evening 
and he was saying, oh, they have they have golden time on a Friday afternoon. They get to choose what they're doing. My entire day was golden time. Yeah, I know. Well, also <laughs> at the time you were seeing your dad who lives like several hours away. Yeah. And so he could come and pick you up on a Friday, which meant you could have a longer weekend with him. It was, yeah, it was then, a lot about like a family balance. Yeah. Because and that was the thing. And then, was, but on the weeks when yeah. you weren't going there, we would do other things like grandma and I would take you to the beach or yeah. we'd spend all day painting or baking or whatever it happens to be. And I remember turning around to this particular class teacher and said, well, is he falling behind? You know, by not being there one day a week. Up, yeah. And... And he was like, well, no, but, you know, it would be really nice. So it's not an issue. If it, if he joined in and did this golden time thing. And I said, okay. yeah, but is he actually falling behind? Is this affecting his actual education and schoolwork? And the response was mostly, well, no, but. Yeah. Or silence. So you didn't ever go for five days yeah. a week. At that school, it was really interesting because the head teacher, which is <laughs> was... a higher power than just a teacher, was so nice that she. I think she even offered you a place at the school to teach, didn't she? Yeah, she like tried she to get wanted you to be me a to go into teaching. Yeah, yeah. Then I explained that I was dyslexic, and she was like, "Oh, yeah, yeah." Well, I did do um, one of the weird things that I did when I was doing um, A levels mm. at. Because I stayed on to sixth form, but my sixth form was really cool. Your well, sixth form was actually a good it sixth was form. A it really wasn't just like glorified form. school. It's like <laughs> the minute the minute you had taken your GCSEs, yeah, um, you went when you went into the sixth form, you stopped wearing school uniform. You stopped having to do the kind of, you know, things that you have to do in school, like lining up outside ready to go to classes mm-hmm. and things like that. It was much more like being at college. Yeah. And a lot of the teachers would let us call them by their first names. Mm. Um, There was a lot more of a sort of a shift in the balance of relationship. Yeah. Which was really nice. We were given a lot of freedom. We still had a dress code. Yeah. But we couldn't wear, we didn't have to wear school uniform. Yeah. (laughs) It's a small thing, but I think it's necessary to sort of give that little like gap. Yeah. To give... I don't want to say like teenagers, not kids. They're not, you're not yeah. a kid when you're 16. Um, like more freedom in school and that kind of thing to feel more grown up because otherwise you go straight from GCSE years to university where you have to basically pay your own bills to an yeah. extent. Yeah. So I think you're absolutely right. And I also think in, um, I think in Western cultures particularly, we're really crap at doing like rites of passage. You know, we we just... It's like if you, oh, I don't want to embarrass you or anything by mentioning the changes that happen through puberty, but it's like that happens to everyone, uh, you know, some people very early and some people quite late, but certainly by the age of 16, most people that are going to go through puberty have done so. And but nothing is really said and it's like your body has changed into an, a more adult body. I mean, I know you carry on growing and changing and all the rest of it, but it's like nothing really happens. It's like here in the UK, the age of consent is 16. You can get married at 16 yeah. with your parents' permission, but you can't drive a car until you're 17 and you can't vote until you're 18. Yeah. 
So you could get married. It's like. And have children at 16. Yeah. But you can't vote. It's like adult responsibilities, but you're still being treated like a child. Yeah. It's like a weird. But it's just like this whole blurry yeah. mess from yeah. sort of 12 onwards until you hit about 18. And so I think any sort of rite of passage, like not having to wear the same uniform mm. as uh, young people younger than you who are still at a different stage, mm. things like that become very important, I think. Um, yeah. Probably more so than if we celebrated the fact that our young people are growing up or they're growing into young adults or whatever it happens to be. So, yeah, I think it's it's really important. I also think that if you can if the age of consent is 16 and you can get married at 16 i think you should also be allowed to learn to drive at yeah. 16 and vote at 16 because you can get a job too i think yeah yes you can most jobs you can yeah. get at 16 um i mean it has changed slightly in the last few years you do yeah. have to stay in full time education until you're 18 now yeah but that doesn't mean that you're son <laughs> just because you have to stay in full time education until you're 18 yeah that doesn't mean you're suddenly stuck at the age of 16 until you become yeah. 18. Do you know what I mean? So, yeah. Um, so I was really, really lucky um, when I stayed on um, in my sixth form that it was a it was a really cool sixth form. It was like being at college, but it was much smaller in a way because it was out of the year groups that had gone before. And so it was only the, our school, yeah. so it was a much smaller group. But I've forgotten what I was going to say about staying on and doing A-levels. Oh, yeah, because I interrupted you and then you I'm went sorry. on with my point, sorry. Yeah. Um, you were saying, uh, we were talking about how, like, my head te- my old head teacher offered you a place at school and you said that you were dyslexic and then you went on to say that when you were doing A-levels and you started explaining what it's like in sixth Oh, form. that's right. Thank you. You're yeah. welcome. <laughs> so, when I was doing A-levels, I um, did I did two A-levels because I was, the first year, I was doing uh, B-tech in something or other. Mm-hmm. I mean, what was it? Anyway, I was doing B- a B-tech... Oh, business studies. Yeah, who right. knew? And cool. learning to type. Did yeah. you know I've got typing qualifications? Yes, wow. for a dyslexic woman. Yay me. So is that just like typing, like actual just being able to type on a computer stuff? Well, it used to be on a typewriter, but yes, well, yeah. um, being able to touch type wow. um, as RSA oh, 1 and know. RSA 2. I that's got. really interesting. That's how you know how to touch yeah. type. Yeah. That's I'm jealous of you because I just type with my fingers, like individual fingers. But, I, the but I learned. <laughs> I yeah. learned how to do that. That's really cool. So, yes, I was doing that and business studies. And mm. I was also retaking my art O-level, which then became yes. GCSE. I did know that, yeah. So then when I actually went on to do my A-levels, which was mm. another year, because I stayed on for three years. Yeah. Um, But given that my birthday is quite late in the academic year... It didn't make that much difference. Yeah. And luckily for me, my best friend also stayed on an extra year. Mm. Um, so there was the two of us together, which was really, really nice. That must be fun. His birthday is also very late, even later than mine. Yeah, I think it's July, which, isn't it? Yeah, it's, in, yeah. it's the end of July. Well, it's very late. Which he takes great delight now because I'm three months You're older old. than him. You're older than him. So You're every every birthday, yep. I'm old, so... Yeah, yeah, this year we're going to be 50. Mm. Yay. 
That's so funny. But so I was only doing two A-levels and general studies. That's what, you can't really include that. But anyway. Yeah. Um, so it meant that all my lessons fell on um, uh, three days of the week. So it left two complete days where I didn't have any lessons at all. Yes. Um, with the, you know, at, at school. And that was too much free time. They allow you some free time. Yeah. Um, so they told me that I had to go and get a placement somewhere. And um, because I was really into art, even back then, mm-hmm. I got a placement at the lower school, which was in the same village as where I lived and where my upper school was. Right. So lower school is like from the age of four-ish to the age of nine. Okay? Yeah. And then from the age of nine to the age of 12, they go to middle school and then from... 12 until whatever they go to upper school completely different where I grew up so so I went to the lower school as a teacher's assistant and I started off because they didn't really know what to do with me yeah to start with so they said oh we're always desperate for people to come and hear the children read and I said oh, um I said, well, okay I'll <laughs> I can do that, but I'm not sure how helpful it will be. Yeah. And they're like, well, what's that then? I was like, I'm dyslexic, but I can follow a book, yeah. you know. It's just like but you when can't... it comes to the spelling or how to pronounce something. It would be 100% accurate, yeah. Yeah. So I did that for a few weeks, but I had to have another teacher's assistant sitting in with me to so... make sure <laughs> that I could do it. So why didn't you just do a different <laughs> job? Well, in the end, the object, yeah, they could have utilised. In the end, they decided that I was much better suited to the reception class Mm -hmm. doing their art, which mostly means being covered in green paint and having (laughs) children falling asleep on your lap, which is quite sweet. It's quite sweet because I love, I love little kids anyway. They're just adorable. Mm. So I didn't mind that. So that was one of the things Um, on the one day when, because I went in two days a week. Oh yeah, because you had two free. Yeah, yeah. So on on one day I'd do the reception class painting Mm. and then as they got to know me and what I was actually doing, you know, the fact that I was really keen on textiles and, um, you know, very creative and all that sort of Mm. thing, but really interested in like history and art together. I don't mean art history. I mean, actually um, illustrating history with art. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So I ended up working with... um, the um, nine-year-olds, whatever year that was, I don't know, um, and their teachers, because um, there were several, it was quite a big school, um, and we did a year-long project that brought together myth and legend, history and art all together. And by the end of the year, yeah. those three classrooms, or was it two classrooms in the hall, but we'd done like these, you know, like the Bayer Tapestry. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we did those, but made out of like paper and textiles oh, that's really cool. and, yeah. and illustrated this thing, like a, like a time, like a history timeline mm. thing. And then one of the, um, one of the things we did was, um, have you ever heard the story of Johnny Appleseed? I don't think I have. Ah, oh, see, I learned about that when I was at school. Yeah. Johnny Appleseed, ask any American, um, <laughs> was this person that, apparently travelled all the way around the states planting apple trees is all I can remember. Right. Yeah. So Fair we enough. decided Good to him. make a massive apple tree 
on the wall. And yeah. so the idea was the kids got to make their own leaves and their own apples. And oh, because they can all like add to it. Yeah. They can all join in. And so you can use all abilities, um, which is really, really good. Mm. So, yeah. And I absolutely loved um, working with the children and seeing what they could do. And it's like watching like a, a series of light bulbs lighting yeah. up, you know, when they get it and they, they really enjoy it. And um, so, yeah, I would have liked to have done teaching um, <clears throat> in that way. But I think now it's changed so much. Yeah, definitely. Um, that I think I would, I think I would struggle in the the communication in a written way yeah um and i don't think i would make a very good teacher in that way yeah i i couldn't keep up with the the only amount of paperwork that they have to do yeah because abundant i think they're even trying to incorporate like more literacy and numeracy into every subject including yeah. art which is why you have to do so much like annotation and yeah. i think even in year nine we had to do a writing task or it was like in the um what do you call it it's the thing i'm really bad at um, comprehension. comprehension comprehension that just my mind just blanked then yeah we had to do a comprehension which has nothing to do with art but because of numerate like not, that's not numeracy <laughs> because of literacy like having to be incorporated we had to do that <laughs> and i know that's not numeracy <laughs> that's i know it's not funny. numeracy it was just a word that was on my mind and like they're similar words <laughs> i find it interesting though that because this they've been banging this particular drum for I don't know, what, 10 years? What co mm. what coincides with 10 years? Oh, wait, yeah. Who, which political party has been in charge of our government and our, you know, having the uh, school secretary and all the rest of it. So basically the Conservatives. Because when I thought maybe I might think about it again, um, in the early 2000s, possibly even before that, the Labour Party, who were running the government at the time, mm. started this scheme called Sure Start, and it was to combat um, childhood poverty and basically to make sure the the early start years, which that's where that's where the most important things happen with children's education, um, is is if you've got good foundations and you, you pick up on people that are struggling or people that are dyslexic or have got hearing problems or are just slow learners um, for whatever reason, if you pick up on that in the early years and give them the support and the foundations and everything, yeah. you shouldn't need to be doing extra numeracy and literacy and comprehension yes. things in like year nine. Yeah. You know, it's almost too late because if those because the level that you're learning at that stage is far too complex for somebody that doesn't have firm foundations. Yeah. So you're just going to switch them off even more. Mm. Um and so it's this the sort of weird thing of like more is better and it's like no that's not the in anything like in cooking more is not necessarily better. Yeah. If you add a bit of salt to the pot you can make something really tasty. If you add too much, it's inedible. Yeah. And it's that, it's that same thing. That's a good more, analogy, yeah. More, um, more reading and comprehension and things um, is not going to help somebody yeah. who's not very good at reading and comprehension. What you need to do is to help them 
learn to read better, yeah. to comprehend better first mm. before you add in all this other yeah. stuff. More, sorry. So, yeah, before you add more, lots yeah. more salt. Um, so, but yeah, they. what happened was this Sure Start program was working really well and it was a way of going into different areas where they're, you know, perhaps not as... Um, affluent or as real abject poverty or what have you and actually helping people to get their children to um, play groups and um, these early years sort of classes and things but what they found in some of these areas is part of it's down to um, a communication problem with with things um, with with families and things um you know a lot of a lot of families are very proud and rightly so that they manage to get by on what they do yeah um and a lot of families particularly in some inner city areas you know their first language might not be english it doesn't mean they can't speak english but it does mean that it's slightly harder for yeah. them to double check like me being dyslexic and being asked to listen to a child reading and yeah. then when I, I know they've made a mistake but I'm not quite sure how, how you know somebody whose first language isn't English they're going to have the same sort of problems but it doesn't mean that they can't speak English or communicate mm. so but unfortunately this whole um sure start early start early years thing was abolished by our current government and so now we are reaping the rewards of having done that now we are seeing those children coming through who haven't had that extra yeah. that extra help and and um you know it's it's only those those situations are only improved by now by teachers actually being on the ball enough to pick those things up in a classroom yeah well where we live most of i don't know a single year where you've been in a class less than 30 children. Yeah. No, I... Yeah, no, I... Yeah. Yeah. I just the you same thing. You cannot do that. No. You cannot... How can you expect a teacher... Um, I mean, it's slightly different at primary school because... It's like the entire year in a class. They, they have the entire year in a class. They often have teacher's assistance mm. while they do here. Um, and you have the same teacher... Yeah. everything so your teacher will pick up on who's who finds it difficult to pay attention yeah you know who who obviously isn't hearing quite right yeah who might be dyslexic and it's like split into like little groups almost yeah in, yeah but then as you go through school and you've got more and more academic type stuff that you're supposed to learn to keep up with all the tests and the key stage this and the key stage that and numeracy tests and literacy tests, which, by the way, you have had every single year since you started school, you know, it's just for what? Yeah. You know, what does it tell you that you're good? You were having a good day. Yeah. Yeah. Because they also do it on like a scale, don't they? Yeah. So it like really relies on everyone. Yeah. Really. So they just put you on a like a number line yeah. of students where, where you sit on that number line. Yeah. So just because you, you're you like in the bottom of the number line doesn't mean that you're like bad. It just no. means you're the worst out of everyone. <laughs> the worst. <laughs> I don't think you mean it by that. No. You're just I mean, not performing yeah. quite as well as everyone else. Yeah. Just because you're not performing quite as well as everyone else doesn't yeah. mean you're performing badly is well, my point. Well, that's the problem with... Um, 
with how the um, exam assessments and things work as well, because it works in exactly the same way. Um, So, and it, and it has done for a long time. I mean, the year I took the last year they did O-levels was the year I took O-level art and I got a B and I was really upset because art's like the only thing I can do. Yeah. (laughs) And I really wanted to get an A Mm. um, because I wanted to go on and do A-levels. I wanted to go on to university and do fashion originally was what I wanted to do. So I needed to have, you know, if you're only, if you're only going to be taking a couple of A-levels, They've got to be They've really got to be good. good ones, yeah. You know, you better be devoting so, all the and time. So I wanted that backed up with the with the O levels as well. Which so, is fair enough, yeah. So I retook my um, A level, no O level, sorry, I, and it was GCSE. It changed to GCSE the next year. Yeah. But I was allowed to use my existing um, sketchbook, sketchbook, and just spent more time you know, developing. I think I did like another project and did the whole thing yeah. and re-looked at the art history. And I think we were talking about this the other day when mm. I was, I, I hate starting new notebooks and sketchbooks mm. and things. So I just added a ton of pages yeah. to it because I just didn't want to start a new one. Yeah. Um, but the reason why I only got a B that time was because there was a lot of really good young people taking o-level art that year so so if if there was lots of people say on an on a normal year i'd have got an a but on that year there was so many people they wouldn't give you all an a yeah so they'll do it graded on where you live and what your school's attainment record is and what the likely percentage of kids as young people young adults whatever Mm. teenagers you want to call them what the likelihood of a percentage of people attaining an A would be. Or a B or a C or mm-hmm. a D. And that's what went so tragically wrong last year with all the um, the debacle over the exam results. Yeah. So it wasn't just the fact that they had been preparing to sit an exam. It was because um, each teacher had to do a individual assessment of every single GCSE and A-level student that they had for their subject. And you can tell pretty reasonably through someone's homework, coursework, how they participate. You do do some assessments and tests and stuff in class anyway, just to check what people know and what they don't and all Mm. that sort of thing. So all of these teachers did these assessments last year based on the what they had the information they had yeah and then that was completely ignored and they just used some kind of random algorithm that literally someone punched in information because an algorithm an algorithm will do whatever you tell it to do and it will learn from various things Mm. in fact we've talked about this before like why algorithms are a bit crap i think you told me (laughs) you gave me an example we don't need to go into it now but you gave me an example of one that literally it went so wrong that it like broke itself so they had to cancel the algorithm because yeah because it just just i'm trying to think i think it was picking like workers for for a company or something and it kept picking men over women yeah yeah like a gender bias (laughs) yeah because it was it was written by blokes yeah and so that's the patriarchy. you know we put well it's not it's, it's like 
it's like me, you know, making the art and things that I make. Mm. It looks the way that it does because I made it. Yeah. You know, and I, I teach people to what the techniques are, but what they put into it and what they bring to it is entirely of them. Mm. So they're always going to, you could have 20 people given even the same materials and the same instructions um, and they will come up with 20 different things. I mean, mm-hmm. you've only got to look at Bake Off. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> where example. they have to do, yeah. you know, because you've got you've got ten people yeah, given the right, same ingredients, so they like come out with cheesecake or something. And they, yeah, yeah, ten different cakes. Yeah, so that's the thing. Is um, so yeah, you're always going to put into whatever you're creating, be it algorithms, computer programs, art, music, whatever. You're always going to put a thing of you in there. Mm. Um, so yes, it just so happens that they're mostly programmed and written by yeah. men and sent on their merry way and some things just wouldn't occur to a sort of 28 year old guy in you know california or whatever yeah. about where this would go mm. you know about what their unconscious bias is doing yeah. so yeah but yeah i can't believe that i can't imagine how students across the uk felt about that like you put five years of effort into it and then it just gets ruined by an algorithm oh it was it was awful i mean for you you were kind of kept quite out of it i suppose because unless because it didn't really really directly affect affect you so it's not something you necessarily go looking for but it was awful i would be fuming oh it was oh there was there were people where there because the other thing was they said that um oh well the reason why they were doing it this way is because um, of course, teachers were going to be unconsciously or actively consciously biased towards their own students and would be awarding them grades higher than they actually deserved, which I think is just well, goes to show in the sort of political spectrum where we are at the moment mm. and how, um, like particularly in the pandemic, how things have been politicised. I mean, how you can politicise a virus, I'm not quite sure, but somehow they managed, they managed it. They managed to do it. So, but it just goes to show the amount of mistrust. You know, it's that thing where people are judging others by their own actions, I think. Mm. You know, like, well, we do this thing, so they must be doing this thing, you know. And teachers weren't. Because they know it can be checked up on. You've only got to do some spot checks. Yeah. You know, and somebody will be going, why have you given this student an A? And they really could have mostly only scraped a C plus, Mm. you know. Um. But yeah, the the students that were affected by it were just devastated. Yeah. But they really did do that thing where if you went to a crap-placed school, I'm not saying that it was mm, a crap school, yeah. but it's like where I used to live. I used to live in the east end of London. And there's a real strong community spirit there. Yeah. Um, but there's very much there's a massive um, an inequality. So there's some very wealthy people who live in gated communities and then there's just normal people that don't live in the gated community and live in streets where their families have lived for, you know, 40 years or whatever. Mm. And some of the schools there were, they didn't have playing fields. Yeah. You know, they, they had very little equipment. They were run down. They were still using... Um, what did they build? We used to call them terrapins, like um, prefabricated. You know, like those. You know, when you see like a, 
building site and they have like a sort of porter cabin thing yeah and and they use that as their office well yeah yeah, yeah, there are schools that are are probably still using those Mm. as classrooms and things like that and there's nothing wrong with that per se but you know after sort of 40 years of of using them they do fall to bits pretty they're not built to last it was a sort of pro tem situation that was what they were supposed to be for so you've got these schools um that don't have all the facilities there's also quite a high concentration of many different nationalities particularly in tower hamlets where i lived Mm. um so you're going to have lots of kids from all different backgrounds um and just really don't I don't know how to explain it. It's like there are some things when you live in the country that you were born in and your parents were born in, there are some things that you never even think about, you never even question. You just, it just isn't a thing. Yeah. But as soon as you move to a different country or your parents have moved to a different country, it's like if I'd have had you when I was living in America. Mm. There are so many things that would be different for me as um, a UK citizen um, living in the States where, you know, rules and regulations and things would be different for me as your mum than they would be for an American woman and her child. And that's the sort of thing is we don't we don't really understand that about what it means to move to a different country and set up your life there and all the rest of it it's hard it's hard work and it's hard to fit into a community it's hard to find your place into a community um and it is i mean a really classic example is when i lived in the states Mm. i wanted to buy some polyfiller right yeah because for some reason there was a massive crack in the wall in the kitchen i could have called maintenance to come and sort it out yeah but i thought it's a work of moments yeah where do i go to buy polyfiller what even is it called over there we just have an lbs don't we yeah which is like a supply but when i was living in the states i didn't even know what the shops were called yeah so trying to describe to someone what what it was that I wanted and what sort of shop I needed to go to. Nothing's where you expect to find it. Yeah. In the end, I found out it was a shop called Home Depot. I was going to say Home Depot, maybe. And I understand it's called Spackle. Oh. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. And that's just like a really right. small, insignificant thing. Why spackle? Yeah, I know exactly. It's polyfiller <laughs> because it. What well, it's... the polyfiller is a brand name like Sellotape. Yeah, but it's a filler. Yeah, I know, but it's still a brand name. So. Yeah, but. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, sorry. But that's that's the saying. point I'm trying to make. It's like every yeah. single thing is nothing's where you expect to find it. You don't know what your rights are. You don't know how the society works in the same way because what you're experiencing is not necessarily how the society works for other people and so getting back to a very long-winded explanation but getting back to it there are schools and things in areas like that where the assumption was that those kids going to those schools would automatically do badly or 
they would only have a very, very small pass rate at an A. So maybe, I don't yeah. know, a 1% pass rate. Mm. Whereas if you went to, say, Knightsbridge um, or um, Harrow yeah. or Putney. I'm assuming those are very posh These are all schools. very posh areas yeah. which have got like very, very posh schools, independent schools. Mm. The assumption would be, oh, well, they come from a better, and I am doing air quotes, background. So therefore, the proportion of children, young people taking these GCSEs, oh, it's going to be a much higher percentage of them that would get a decent pass yeah. rate. And so straight away, the people doing the algorithm, again, putting into the information mm. of different things, those assumptions were already there. You know, before it even got as far as putting in um, assessment results from various different places, those those assumptions were yeah. already there. So put on again with um, the fact that, oh, we, could, we can only have 10%, I don't even know what it is, let's say for the argument's sake, 10% of the school age population getting an A, right? And then you're going to take that out even more. So somebody in East End London might, they've got a 1% chance mm. and somebody in the west end of London or in Harrow or wherever has got a 25% chance you're making those things even more uneven they sort of get massively blown out over exaggerated through what happened yeah as it happens in Scotland they got their results first um oh blimey have we been talking a lot you might have to edit this <laughs> oh I do edit them it's fine okay. we can leave it going an hour Okay. Um so in Scotland they um the results came out first mm -hmm. and it was the A level results and they they had done a sort of similar thing and it had gone woefully wrong and the Scottish government turned around and said, "Wow, we really messed up. We're going to put this right." Yeah. A week later, the results came out in England and Wales and I assume Northern Ireland, I don't know. They're all slightly different. Yeah. And it was even worse than what had happened in Scotland. So they'd had a week's warning that this was a possibility that it was going to go wrong. Mm. They did nothing. And it went worse. Than and it, it was done. worse. Yeah. And then there was a lot of arguments about, oh, well, you know, teachers would be more on the side of their students. There'd be this, there'd be that. So lots of, lots of, lots of sort of evasiveness. And finally. Yeah. I don't know how long it took, but finally they did change their minds on it. Good. But I don't know what happened in the end because, as you yeah. know, with the mainstream media, they get bored and so yeah. you never find out the end of the story. Yeah. So, But going back to what you were saying about the bias thing, they contradicted themselves by saying that teachers will have a bias on the student mm. and then they had a bias on the student from, like, yeah. their area. At least the teacher would only have a bias on, like, how good they are their at working and, like, their ability. effort to learning. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Wow. Wow, I'm so glad that you picked up on that. That's awesome. Yeah. That's really cool. So, so yeah, basically, don't come for me when we start monetizing our channel don't on YouTube. Don't cancel us. <laughs> yeah, don't cancel us. <laughs> Wait, did everything we just spoke about relate to that? 
No, not really. No, no. not really. <laughs> no. That was just for people who skipped through it, like most yeah. people that listen to our podcasts. Yeah. I'm joking. Yeah, the rest yeah. of it was all about advertising. <laughs> you missed a treat. Yeah. You should go back and listen. That was an hour and almost 10 minutes. Are I... you going to edit it down a bit? No. No? You're going to no. leave it? Some podcasts are like over an hour. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, but they're probably gold. Ours is just like... No. Me talking about nothing. <laughs> That's a, what most podcasts are. <laughs> I like listening to that, but um, I don't. I don't know how we do it. I don't know how we just did that. Like every week, we just ramble about stuff for an hour. I know. Like at the beginning, we didn't have a topic have a or anything, all, and we've yeah. been talking for an hour and ten minutes. Yeah. Okay, I think we should go. I think, I we, think should we should go as well. We've been give your for... give your ears a rest. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you for listening. And they we'll... like unsubscribe. No, you we'll... can't subscribe. We'll we'll come <laughs> back and um, next week and talk about something else. Yeah. Yeah. So, have a really good week. Thanks for joining us again. Thank you.